that you're here. If you're visiting again, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And I do wanna take a moment and say to everyone on the other side of that screen, maybe you're joining us online or you're joining us at our jail campus or one of the prison campuses or at Belize Central Prison. We're so glad that you're with us today. Come on, church, help welcome our church family. We believe in you, we love you, we honor you today. We're excited to continue our series that we've been in called It's Complicated, But It Doesn't Have to Be. We're in a relationship series, and so far on week one, we learned about singles relationships, and we talked about that, and in week two, we learned about marriage relationships last week, and we talked about that. And today, I wanna talk to you about a relationship that has the potential to positively affect every other relationship you have. I wanna talk to you about a relationship that has the greatest potential of any relationship to help you grow in your walk with God. I wanna talk to you about a relationship that when you're feeling down could help lift you up, that when you're feeling lonely could help you feel comfort and family, and a relationship that when you're just struggling and you don't know what to do can come alongside you. In fact, the Apostle Paul, outside of your relationship with Jesus, the Apostle Paul talked about this relationship more than any other relationship he addressed. All, everything he wrote in the New Testament was addressing this particular relationship. And so today I wanna talk to you about your relationship with the church. I don't know if you know this, but your relationship with the church will affect your life more than you think it will. In fact, I was thinking about this. There was this man and his wife basically made him go to church every single week. And he had gone all this time every single week to church. And one Sunday, he got up and he had just decided he had had enough. So he put his foot down and he said to his wife, I'm not going to church today. And I'll give you three reasons why. Number one, I don't like the building. Everywhere I look, things are broken and it makes me wanna fix it. Number two, I don't like the people. They just don't look very friendly and they don't interact. Number three, the people don't like me, I can tell. Every time I'm around them, I feel like they're whispering or I can just tell they don't want me there. Well, his wife looked back at him and said, you are going to church today and I'll give you three reasons why. Number one, I'm already dressed and I'm ready to go. Number two, the kids are already dressed and they're ready to go. And number three, you're the pastor and they're expecting you to be there. You wanna hear another one? So one time this pastor says to this guy and he says, brother, you know, old school pastor, brother, you need to join the army of the Lord. And the man said back to that pastor, he said, pastor, I've already enlisted. And the pastor said, well, I have never even seen you on a Sunday. And the man said, that's because I'm in the secret service. <laughs> Your relationship with the church. It really does matter, and so I'm posing the question to you, how healthy is your relationship with the church? I want you to think about it today. Here's what Jesus said. In fact, it's the first time in the New Testament that we see this word church, where we get our word church, coming from, and it comes right here from a, a statement that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. It says, now I say to you, and Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he's talking to Peter, and he's asked them, who do people say that, I'm a, that I am? That's the passage we're looking at. And Peter answered correctly, and Jesus says this, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
I love this because Jesus tells us right here, the one thing that he cares most about he's building and that is his church. In fact, there's a supernatural empowerment that comes when we're in the covering of a church. And there's a supernatural protection because Jesus said the powers of hell will not be able to overtake it. If we're in this church, this thing that Jesus is building, there's something supernatural that happens. I want you to see the word. He used that word church. We get our English word church, but it's the Greek word ekklesia. And it means literally an assembly, a gathering, a community. So just to be clear, there is the big C church. There's the bride of Christ. There's the body of Christ. You'll see it in different places in the scripture. And that is universal, right? But there is a place where God is expecting you to plant, that you should, would assemble and gather and call home and give and serve and be a part of. It's very clear in scripture that there's a place to gather, to be a part of, to have family with. And that's what Jesus is referring. And he says, I'm gonna build this church and all the power of hell will not conquer it. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says this, this is not a time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge one another onward as we anticipate the day dawning. What day? Well, it's talking about the return of Jesus and as the return of Jesus gets closer, which it is, the Bible's saying, don't neglect meeting and gathering and assembling as a church. We should do it more frequently. Make sure that you're a part of it, the writer of Hebrews said. I wrote this down this week, and I just wrote down that my relationship with Jesus, it is personal, but it's not meant to be done in private. So yes, my relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not just Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. I was meant to do my relationship with Jesus in the context of other believers and other followers, this thing that we call the church. There's just some things that are hap gonna happen in your life because of your relationship with the church. There's no way around that. In fact, I started to think about that this week. I was really moved this week with emotion, just thinking about all the things that have happened in my life because of the church, I was in church, or I was around church, or it was the, because of the church that pivotal moments, important, critical things in my life happened. And I wrote this list down. I'm not gonna share all of them with you, but I'd like to just share a few. To the, because it's a reminder of how important my relationship with the church is. And I was reminded by that this week. And in fact, the first thing I wrote down is, it was in the church that I was saved and water baptized. I didn't raise up in a godly family. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't attend a church. But it was in a church that I heard the gospel message at church camp in middle school that I heard the message. I gave my life to Jesus and I was water baptized. It was because of the church I wrote down, it was in the church that I was convicted to change my life. Meaning I was living like the rest of the world and I didn't know any different. But as I gathered with the church, there was something about the word, there was something about the people, there was something about the surroundings that convicted me and caused me to realize there was a different way to live, a better way to live, and I changed. It was in the church that I grew spiritually and I learned how to read my Bible and I learned how to pray, I learned how to worship. I'll tell you that after I committed my life to Jesus, I knew nothing else. I did not know how to pray. You ever been there? I, I did not know how to pray. I, didn't, I couldn't have prayed for anybody. I didn't even know what that looked like. But I always still loved Jesus and I knew I should pray. And I'll never forget I was a part of the college track team and I, I had gathered the team together. I was always leading whether I was the leader or not. I just take over. 
And so I gathered the track team together and I said, I think we should pray before we compete today. And the team was like, yes, let's do it. That sounds awesome, go ahead. And I'm like, I didn't mean me, I don't know how to pray. I just think we should pray. And I remember in that moment thinking, well, I know these people, heathens, aren't gonna pray, so I'm gonna have to figure this out. And so I started to think, I'm like, how do you pray, how do you pray? And I just remembered one statement that a family member had taught me. It was actually a verse, I didn't know that at the time, it was only partial verse, but it was a part of a verse, and so I just said, this is the all I know. So I said, everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. And we all closed our eyes, we're on the track, and we bow our heads, and I said, the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen. And we all shout, everybody shouts amen, and we shout, and we say, let's go, and everybody starts cussing, and we walk off. <laughs> that was it. That's all I knew. But in the church, I learned how to pray bold, effective prayers. I had to gather together with other believers and learn how to study my Bible, learn how to pray, learn that I should lift my hands in worship because God likes it, that I can clap, that I can shout, that I should sing the words they're putting on the screen so that I could sing them. I had to learn that in the church. It was in the church that God called me to start using my gifts to serve other people. I'll never forget the service, and I was a service just like this, and it was the end of service, and this lady walks up to me, and she said, I've noticed you've been coming, but I've never seen you serve anywhere, and I just feel from the Lord, I wanna tell you, there's gifts in you that God wants to use to serve other people, and you should start using them. Why don't you sign up and come serve in kids' ministry? And I said, okay, I'll do it, sign me up. That was 22 years ago, and I've never ever had a season, not even a month in my life that I have not served the church since then. It changed my life. It changed my life. And in the church, it was in the church that I joined a small group and found godly friends for the first time ever. I was surrounded by ungodly friends. But once I got in that small group, I found a whole new group of friends and I'm still friends with them today. It was in the church that I learned about tithing and giving. I learned how to get out of debt and God gave me a financial breakthrough and the blessing is still on my life today because I learned how to manage my money God's way. It was in the church that I learned how to share my faith with other unbelievers, that I learned what it meant to witness, what it meant to share Jesus with others and I became a bold witness for Jesus and I witnessed to everybody that would listen, to all of my coworkers and then I would invite them to church services and they too would give their lives to Jesus. It was in the church that I took my first mission trip and went across the country and just went on this journey of seeing how other people live and realizing I'm spoiled and I'm selfish. That's what I realized on a mission trip. That life's not just all about me and that I have more than I think, but it was with the church that I went on that first mission trip. It was with the church that I was taught about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how to live a spirit-filled and led life. It was through the church that I met my husband. And I proposed to him, so he says. And then it was in the church that they tried to prepare us for marriage, and they failed in premarital counseling. I'll never forget, it was a premarital counseling session and, and it was in my church that I love dearly and it was one of the pastors and the very last session before we were to get married, I'll never forget, that pastor looked me right in the eye and he said, Justina, you see Kyle through rose-colored glasses. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I thought that was good and I'm like, thank you, it's gonna be great. Well, I know what they meant now, I understand. And Kyle says that I must have left those rose-colored glasses on our honeymoon in the hotel, because I've never put them on again since. 
but they prepared us to be married. They walked us through it. They surrounded us. They were there for us in our wedding. It was in a church service that Kyle and I got a prophetic word and felt the spirit of God stir us to step out and start this church that we knew we were called to it. But we were in a gathering. We were together with other believers and God spoke to us in that service. It was in this church that we stood on this stage and dedicated our children to the Lord. And you've seen it in the parent-child dedication and we made this commitment, God. We're gonna be godly parents. We're gonna raise them to love you, Jesus, and to love the church. And then you guys, the church, you made a commitment to help us raise our kids. And I want you to know you're failing. You haven't sent me child support or anything. But we made a commitment. I'll never forget that day and just dedicating our kids to the Lord. And I want you to know, it was in church that my kids gave their lives to Jesus. Right back there in the kids ministry, when those, those youth leaders and those kids ministry workers, they shared the gospel. My kids said yes, they led them into salvation prayer. I didn't do that. The church did that. It was in the church and then, then I'll never forget the time they were water baptized, my two oldest. We were at the YMCA, we didn't have this building yet, and I remember we were in a deeper night service. And I'm standing there worshiping, I don't even know anything's happening. I look over at the line to be water baptized, which is 40 plus strong, people in their clothes just getting in the tank, and my two oldest kids are in the line. They're gonna go get water baptized. I didn't tell them to, I didn't even know they were going to. That was because of the church. And then there was the time that my dad had a tumor on his brain that ne could, nothing could be done about. And we didn't know what to do and he needed his faith built up. And, and so we, the church, we gathered, we prayed, you stood with us, we asked for a miracle. And now my dad is healed of cancer, the tumor is gone, the doctors were wowed, everything happened. But that was because of the church. I need you to know the church means everything to me. She's not perfect but she's beautiful and she's faithful and she's strong and she's comforting and she's loyal and Jesus is building her and the, all the power of hell cannot conquer her. The church means everything. To me, I would not be where I am. If you do look at my life and think, I hope you do, I don't know if you do, but if, if you do look at my life and think she's a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you need to know that is thanks to the church. She helped me, she supported me, she taught me, she corrected me, she encouraged me. That's us. The church is an important relationship and I wrote this down and this is what I wanna say over us today because I learned it and I want you to learn it is you need the church and the church needs you. It's just true. It's how God designed it. You need the church and the church needs you. This week we were sitting in the atrium uh, in our living room and my seven-year-old was playing video games and I was studying my notes and he looked over and in big yellow letters he saw that phrase and he read it out loud with such confidence. And he said, you need the church and the church, he's gonna be a preacher, and the church needs you. And he said, wow, mom, that's good. I, I know, right? And then he looked over at his dad and he goes, dad, you got any good points like that? It was the proudest moment of my life. <laughs> but it is true. It's true. There's something special. There's something that happens in the, the fellowship of the church, in the gathering of the church, in the assembling, in the community, in the, in the commitment to the church that only happens because of it. 
Meaning there's things that will only happen in your life because of the church. That was true in mine. And so I just wanna share with you in the time we have today, three things that happen when we gather as a church. These, this isn't an exhaustive list, and it's not that these things can't happen otherwise, but there is a special exponential ability for these things to happen when we gather as a church. Let me give them to you. The first one is this. Number one, we experience God's presence. Now, I know what you're thinking. Can't I experience God's presence anywhere? Well, sure you can, but you would probably agree with me. I've never walked into Walmart and been like, man, the presence of God was strong in there today. <laughs> never, not once, ever. <laughs> nor at the ball game, nor at the theater. I, I just haven't, but I have walked into church. And I've been like, wow, God's presence was there today. Well, why? Because there is different types. There's omnipresent. We know that, that God is omnipresent. That means he's present everywhere all the time. And then there's inner presence. I know that the spirit of God lives on the inside of me after I commit my life to Jesus. So there's inner presence, the Bible tells me, but then there's this thing called manifest presence. It means made known presence. It's this, this moment where God's presence falls in a way that you know it, that changes things, that transforms things, that ministers to things, that brings encouragement and strength and refreshment. That's the kind of presence that happens when we gather as a church. In fact, I'll prove it to you. Jesus said something about it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Jesus said this, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. How can you argue with that? <laughs> when we come together, when we gather together as a church in the name of Jesus, Jesus says, my presence will be there. I'll be right there with you. I'll be strengthening you, encouraging. And we all have different needs. But the beautiful thing about God's presence is he meets them all in one moment in one place. He, that's the ability of God's presence to change everything in a moment. Sometimes, you know, so often I'll hear, man, I had a terrible week, so I didn't come to church this week. That's the exact reason you should be in church. Amen. If I have a terrible week, there's one place I need to be, in the presence of God. Because I have no answers, I only have problems, I don't know what to do next, everything's falling apart. But if I can just get in his presence... His presence can fix it. His presence can touch it. His presence can heal it every single time. Psalm 26 verse 8 says, I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. I, I want to read this testimony card that came in just this week. It was perfect timing. And it exactly describes what I'm saying. Because sometimes we go, we try to figure the battle out on our own. We try to fight it on our own. We try to bring the solution. We try to work the thing out. Can I just tell you some battles you just need to get in the presence of the Lord and let him fight them? In fact, he tells us that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, basically they're coming up against an enemy they cannot defeat, and God tells them, don't worry, the battle is the Lord's. I'm gonna fight this. What'd he tell them to do? Get together, go to the front line and worship. Just come get in the presence, usher in the presence of God, and I'll fight the battle while you worship. Sometimes that's all we need to do when we're fighting something, when we're up against something we do not know what to do with. We just need to get in the presence of the Lord. Well, where can we find it? Oh, I know a place. <laughs> because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. And the Lord told Moses back in the Old Testament, build me a sanctuary, gather up all the people, go to the sanctuary, get together and watch. My presence, gonna, my presence will meet you there and I'll speak to you there. 
It just happens. It's the way God designed it. And that is exactly what happened in this praise report. Listen to this. I've been coming to Experience Church for years and I've been water baptized here. It's helped me battle through anxiety and depression over the years. However, nothing as strong as what I've felt over the last few weeks. You see, I recently found out that I'll be losing my job and it's completely out of my control. So I was worried about my severe anxiety coming back because now I have to provide for my family. And just like I do every Sunday, I came to church. However, that Sunday, it was different. During our worship, I just stood weeping. And all of a sudden, this calm and peace came over me. I could feel my faith growing and taking over in that moment. My anxiety did not have a stronghold on me and I realized I was free. I knew that God could carry me through it. And it's like nothing I've ever experienced. What were they describing? God's presence. That's, that's what it's like. And then they go on and they say, it was so much so that, I, I, that what I was asking for changed. And I stopped praying for me to just keep the job and I started asking God for peace, for grace, for understanding. And then I was asking for purpose. And so then I stepped out and I went forward for prayer and I am so happy to report that God answered me immediately and I already have accepted a new position. Isn't that good? What did they do? Did they work it out? Did they make a bunch of calls? Did they figure it out? Did they stress it out? No, they got in the presence of God. I'm telling you some things in your life will change just by getting in the presence of God. And I wanna ask this of you, make sure you participate fully in the church. If we're gonna worship, don't, don't hang in the lobby and then think that the worship doesn't matter. It's not the thing getting us to this awesome, amazing message, no. The worship is getting us into the presence of God. There's battles that are being fought in that moment. So let's participate fully. If they tell us to lift our hands in the sanctuary, just lift your hands, just trust, just trust. God must be doing something in that moment. If they tell us to sing, let's sing together. If they, whatever it is, can we participate fully? Can we be a part of that? If we're all gonna serve, let's all serve together. If we're gonna give, let's give together. If we're gonna worship, let's worship together. There's something about the presence of God that is attracted to the church when she gathers and leans into his presence. He can't resist it. And that's exactly what happens for us as a church. Here's the second thing. Number two, what happens when we gather as a church? Number two is this, we experience God's power. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. I love he uses this word agree. The idea is when you come into agreement, God's attracted to that and he releases his power on it. In fact, I'll show it to you in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter two, verses one through four. It was the first church, the early church, and what do they do? They, they gathered together and God released his power on them. Acts chapter two, verses one through four says this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. All together in one place. All together in one place. And suddenly, look at your neighbor and say, I wonder if you need a suddenly. Do you need a suddenly? They were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then it goes on and it says like fire fell. There was flames above every head. There were 120 there meeting in that space. Flames were above every head and the signs, miracles, and wonders started to be released. The power of God started to be released in that place. So much so that the whole town came running. Like what is happening in this space? What is happening with these people? What is going on? And they all came. And the Bible says Peter began to preach this message to them. And 3,000 people out on the streets ended up getting saved by the gospel message and joining the church in one day. Can you even imagine what happens when 3,000 people come running because the power of God was released? They get saved and they join the church in one day. I thought about this. I want you to think about it in reverse. Why did 3,000 people get saved and join the church that day? Well, because of power. They saw signs and wonders and they had to be preached. What's happening? Well, God is real because these things could not be happening otherwise. God's power was released. Well, why was God's power released? Because they were all together in one place in agreement. They were all together in one place in agreement. They were all together in one place in agreement. I don't know what else to tell you. That's it. They were all together in one place in complete agreement. They were praying together. They were worshiping together. They were leaning in together. They were asking God to show up. And the power of God fell in that moment. And I'm telling you, that will happen to each of you and each of us as individuals. But it will happen corporately. Can you imagine if God's power fell in this place in such a way that the whole town of defiance came running and we just saw signs, miracles, people were healed and, and God was restoring and God was saving in this place. And we go out to the parking lot and we realize there's 3,000 people waiting in the parking lot because fire is coming from the building. Don't you love the picture? And then Kyle and I fight over who's going to preach to them. And then one of us wins and we give the message and 3,000 of them get saved and join the church today. Can you even imagine? I'm just telling you there's an exponential power that falls when we gather together, when we come together. It really matters. Uh, James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. I, I was just thinking about this because I was thinking so often people will, will leave a church or, or feel unnoticed and feel unseen or, or feel like they don't fit. All those things are real and all those things happen. But I, I thought about what Jesus is saying. Part of the reason is because it, they'll think, man, nobody sees me. Nobody knows I'm hurting. Nobody's helping me. It, I want to say this in all love and respect. It's because nobody knows. Are you struggling? Well, the Bible says confess your sins one to another and get healing. Are you sick? I'm going to read it to you in just a minute. The Bible says, come and come into agreement with somebody else and the sick will be made well. Are you overwhelmed? Are you hurting? I'm just saying there's some things not happening in our lives simply because we haven't told, we haven't come into agreement with anyone. It's not that God's holding out on us. I just wonder what would happen if you came into agreement. If we as a church came into agreement. Look at this, James chapter 5 verses 14 through 15 says this, are any of you sick? Another word for that translation of sick, it does mean sick in body, sickness, illness, but it actually another translation is weak. Are any of you weak today? Are you overwhelmed? Are you struggling? Are you in bondage? Are you in despair? Are you hopeless? Are you weak? 
You should call for the elders of the church. Now, the elders of the church all throughout scripture were the pastors of the church. And then the pastors of the church have the authority to to, um, ask a prayer team and give them authority to pray with the church in that moment. And we see this in the altar here at Experience Church. Come and pray over you, anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the weak, the sick, and the Lord will make you well. There's power in coming into agreement. Too often we decide, do I feel like I need church today? <laughs> right, am I the only one that has ever felt this? I, don't, I feel good. I feel like I could use some sleep today. I don't need to gather. I don't need to go to first Wednesday. I don't need to be a part of serve day. I don't need to be any of that. Right, but you're making the decision on based off what you need. And because you don't need it that day, you're gonna stay out of agreement. But here's what I want you to know. The person to your left and right needs your agreement. You may not need it, but the person next to you does today. And they can't get it unless we come into agreement. And so what is it that I need? It's not just about what I'm gonna get. It's about what I'm gonna give that day. I'm not saying you have to lay hands and pray on everybody next to you. Just come into agreement. Listen, when we're worshiping, come into agreement. Worship King Jesus in that moment. Don't, che- don't check out. Don't just like not think about it. Come into agreement. When the word's being preached, come into agreement with the word. The reason you hear the amens, the hallelujahs, that's good. It's not hype. It's agreement. I agree with that word for my life. I come into agreement with that verse. Let it be so in my life. I agree with what you're saying. Unless Pastor Kyle says something about me and then you shout, I don't agree. (laughs) Every other time you're coming into agreement. Amen. Let it be. So be it. Let that word come alive. I agree with that word. Do it, God. Let it come, God. I'm in agreement with what you're trying to do, God. I stand in agreement. And when you, all of us agree together, you watch as power falls. God can do anything with a church that'll come into agreement. I wrote this down as if God were saying it to us. And it's this, picture God saying this to you. I've given someone else what you need and you will have to come together to get it. I don't have everything I need all in myself with my walk with God. You have some of it. So I need you here to bring it to me. We gotta come into agreement. I don't have all the gifts necessary to see God do what he wants to do. I don't have all the parenting skills. I don't have all the marriage skills. I don't have all the spiritual gifts. I don't have all the faith. No, you have some of it too. And God gathers us together. He brings us together. He brings us in agreement so that his power can fall. And so what are, what are we supposed to do? Just come into agreement. When you're here, if you're gonna be, like if we're having service, let's all be here. What if it's that day? What if that's your suddenly? What if that day is the day God's gonna release it to you? What if that day you're fighting the battle that you don't even know is coming? What if, just what if? Let's come into agreement. Here's the third and final one. I'll end with this. Number three, what happens when we come together as a church? Number three, we unite with God's people. Uh, The last prayer that Jesus prayed was in John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus was praying this and he said this, may they experience such perfect unity that the whole world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus cares deeply 
about us being unified as a church. Jesus cares about unity. In fact, it was his last prayer that he prayed for us. I'll show you in the church of Acts, in the first church in Acts chapter one, verse 14 says this, they all met together and they were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. I wanna show you that word, that word united that is used right there in Acts chapter one is the Greek word homothemadon. It means this, it's two words put together. The first word is homo, which means same. And the last word, themadon, it means temperature. It's where we get our word temperature from. So what is he saying? That church got together and they had the same temperature, the same spiritual passion, the same mission, the same heart, the same mind. They came together and they were all going after God's presence. They were all in agreement. They were united as one. And that, in that moment, God came and visited them. In fact, uh, Philippi, this, Paul, like I said, is our, his main goal was to write letters to help unify the church. He was constantly dealing with unity in the church. He cared about it. And in Philippians, he gives us the formula. So how do you have unity? How do we unite as a church? He gives the formula in Philippians chapter two, verses two through three. Paul says this, so I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity, one heart, one passion, and united in one love. There it is, that same temperature. Walk together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. And then he tells us, so how do you do that? So I know that uniting is important and I play a part in it. How do I do it? And he tells right here, he's basically gonna tell us how to protect the unity in the church. He says this, be free from pride-filled opinions. Can I say it this way, the way Paul is saying it? Die to your preferences. Anybody? Like, it's too hot in there. It's too cold in there. It's too loud in there. It's too soft in there. I don't like the lights. I love the lights. I don't like who's greeting me at the door. I love who's greeting me at the door. I don't like this coffee. Let's get some new coffee. I, I don't, I don't, we all have preferences. Man, I mean, I wanna hear Pastor Justina. Why does Kyle keep preaching? We all have preferences. And Paul is saying, you're gonna have to die to your preferences. Here's what I wanna say, we're searching for sameness and you'll never have it. I wanna go, I'll be a part of a place that's the same as me. I want you to dress like me. I want you to think like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to sing the songs that I like. I want you to talk about those political issues that are important to me. I want you to promote that candidate, this candidate. I want you to talk about this or that. No, that's all sameness. We won't have sameness, we need oneness. And there's a difference. The goal isn't sameness. If God wanted sameness, he would have made us all the same. And you're not like me and I'm not like you. On purpose. I think God loves the diversity of his church. He, he doesn't want us to be the same. But Paul's saying, you will never have unity unless you die to your preference. You gotta lay it down. And then he goes on and he says, that'll only harm your cherished unity. And don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts. In other words, don't just come for what you're gonna get out of it. Come and give something to it.
And then he says, in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. It's not easy. By the way, this works in your marriage, <laughs> works in your parenting, in your family, in your workplace. I mean, it's, it's mandatory for us as a church, but these principles work everywhere else. We have to have unity. In fact, Paul says this, Ephesians chapter four, verse three, he says, whatever you do, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. If you have somebody you need to forgive, forgive them, make every effort. If you have an offense, get over it, make every effort. If you have somebody that you need to have a conversation with and make something right, do it, make every effort. If somebody's saying something bad about somebody else in the church, don't participate in that, make every effort. Can I give you a tip anytime? I'm just telling you, this is a supernatural tool. One thing I've done right, I've done a lot of things wrong. One thing that I have done from the day that I committed to a church, meaning I realized my relationship with the church mattered, one thing I've done right over 25 years is I've protected the unity of the church where I was planted. Find a place to plant, and it is okay if it's not here. My heart, our heart is, let us help you find somewhere to plant. Plant somewhere because the Bible says you're, you will flourish. If your life's not flourishing, are you planted? And so one thing I've done right is protect the unity. And so often when somebody wants to come up to you and say something bad about the leaders or bad about other people or bad about the church as a whole, whatever it is, I know it can feel awkward and I know it's overwhelming, but one tip that I could give you that works well is when somebody says something negative because you're protecting unity for the sake of God being pleased with us, when somebody says something negative, you just say something positive to counter it. it it'll make an awkward moment, but it'll move you on by. So when somebody says Sally, I'm sorry if your name is Sally, I'm not talking about you. But if somebody says, did you hear about Sister Sally, blah, 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 and they tell you the thing, you'd be like, you know what? Sally has the best smile I've ever seen. I love when she smiles at me at church. And you just walk on you with your sweet though. What am I doing? I'm protecting unity. Because where there is a unified church, there's God's presence and there's God's power. I'll read you one more verse and it says this, Psalms 133 verses one through three. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down from the beard on the beard of Aaron. What's it talking about? Anointing. Where there's unity in a church, there's anointing. There's an anointing to break the strongholds in your life. There's an anointing to heal the sick. There's an anointing to restore relationships. There's an anointing to bring encouragement. There's an anointing to hear God's voice. There's a special anointing where there's unity. Where there's division, God's presence leaves. Where there's unity, God's presence falls. And then it goes on and it says, it's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. In other words, there's a fruitfulness. Where there's unity, there's fruit. There's kingdom fruit. People will commit their lives to Jesus. That may not matter to you until it's your family member sitting in the chair, raising their hand saying, I surrender to Jesus. That's when it'll matter to you. Or when it's your kids back in kids' church giving their life to the Lord. You'll care about unity then because you realize there's a fruitfulness that comes from being unified as a church. And then finally, for there the Lord commands a blessing. Do you want a blessing commanded on your life? Just protect the unity, that's all.
Protect the unity. Come together. Come in agreement. Protect the unity. Unity, go all in and watch as that blessing overflows into every other relationship you have, every other area of your life. Your relationship with the church matters more than you think. So I'm simply asking how healthy is it? And God can do something special when you commit to go all in and trust him in that relationship with the church. Would you pray with me today? First, I wanna pray for those of you that would say, You've just, even as I'm talking about all this, you maybe have sat in church seats before, but you've never actually committed your heart to Jesus. You've you've never surrendered your life to him as Lord. And the Bible in Romans says, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. We repent in that moment and that salvation comes to our hearts in that moment. So this is that moment for you. Or maybe at one time you did commit your life to the Lord, but you've long walked away. Whatever it is, I'm just asking, is this your moment to surrender to Jesus? To fully surrender your life? And if it is, just right where you are, all eyes are closed and we're all praying together, but I just wanna come into agreement with you. And just lift your hand to heaven and I'm gonna have you pray right where you are. If you're saying yes to Jesus today, you're committing your life or recommitting your life, pray this right where you are. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. Wash me clean today with your word, with your presence, with your spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me now and teach me how to live. I give you all that I am today. There's no turning back. There's no looking back. I'm going all in with you today, Jesus. Now teach me how to live in Jesus' name. Amen. Now go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray one more prayer. I want you to pray it with me. I do feel like this is a word from the Lord. God's spirit has been moving in this church and we're so grateful. And we're gonna, it's nothing yet. That's what I hear the spirit of God saying. It's just nothing yet. We're gonna see more people find hope and freedom and life here. More of you are gonna find restoration and miracles and the things you need from God here. We're gonna see our city transformed, I have no doubt. And it all starts with us being fully committed and united as a church. And so I wanna pray a uniting prayer. There's a supernatural unity that God can pour out on us and then it's just our job to guard it and protect it. And so right now all across the room, would you lift a hand, even if it's one hand, if you're not into two hands yet, it's okay. Just barely lift your hand. I got, I got grace for you. Next week, both hands up. So today, here we are, God. Your sons and your daughters, we're brothers and sisters. And right now, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your beautiful bride that you call the church, Jesus. We know that you're building us right now and that anything the enemy tries to throw at us cannot work and it can't be prevailing. And so we thank you for that. And right now we unite, we come into agreement. We unite our hearts, we unite our minds, we come into your presence right now and we ask that you would pour out a supernatural unity upon us so that we can experience your presence at a greater level. We can experience your power at a greater level so that you can command a blessing on us and our households and our families and so that we can reach the city that is all around us. So right now, we come into unity. We repent. We repent of every critical word we've said. 
about your church, Jesus, about each other. We repent for ever saying negative things or the grumbling or the complaining or the opinions or the preferences. We lay it all down right now. And we say, we just want your plan, God. We wanna be in your presence, operating in your power and united with your people. And so we unite with one heart right now. We come into agreement and we ask for it now. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to guard it. Show us this week so that you can do all that you wanna do in us and through us. We ask it now in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you agree, say a big amen.